roster and what we have in the coaching staff, we should win games. We have to perform, though. We're going to hold ourselves to a high standard no matter what happens. You know, defense is going to do what they do. And last time I heard, they can't win if they don't score points. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. Your chance to get an in-depth preview of the week ahead in Berea. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. your hosts, Kim Carmen and Gerard Cherry. And it is finally game week, week number one of the 2022 NFL campaign, and your Browns are on the road to downtown Charlotte, North Carolina this Sunday as they take on the Carolina Panthers. Good evening, friends. Ken Carmen alongside of Gerard Cherry. It is the Cleveland Browns preview show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Gerard, good to see you. Good to hear you. What do you know? What do you say, my friend? Well, it's definitely good to hear and see you as well, Kenneth. It's Looking a forward fan. to this week, man. It is finally here. <laughs> it's a fantastic day. Finally, we get ready for some football. Let's get it going with four downs. First down. All right, 2022 season starts in Carolina. A lot of distractions. An opener on the road. Baker and his T-shirts. How do you block out the noise? And what's the key to not being too amped up on on Sunday at 1 p.m., buddy. Well, for the defense, Ken, I have nothing of issue with you being amped up, fired up, and ready to go to get after Baker Mayfield because you want to apply that pressure. You want to let him know the T-shirts as well as if he did or didn't say, I'm going to blank them up. You still want to get after him and let him know that you're intense about the situation. You hear me say it all the time. You want to match and surpass the intensity, especially on the defensive side. Now, offensively, I don't need those guys going nuts and crazy, yelling and having a lot of just issues or whatnot far as, being fired up go out there and just play with emotion but don't let emotion get the best of you and if you can do that then you have a great chance of doing something significant in this football game so in my mind yeah you want to go out there but you're not play to a high level and be passionate but you're not worried about baker mayfield because ultimately on the offensive side you're going out there to beat the carolina panthers defense now defensively that's a whole nother situation very true about that, and it's a big moment here for this Cleveland Browns football team on the offensive side. Jacoby Brissett, he'll start for the Cleveland Browns. In this wide receiver room, it has been criticized all throughout this training camp. We haven't seen Amari Cooper really just yet. Donovan Peoples-Jones had a catch against the Chicago Bears. He actually led that wide receiver room coming back in receiving yards last year with just 597, with the exception of Amari and Cowboys tried to move on from him as soon as they possibly could. There's a lot to prove, and it starts on Sunday, Gerard. Yeah, there certainly is. Obviously, Diamond Peoples-Jones has something to prove because he's going to be a starter. Last year, he was a third receiver, fourth receiver, at times depending on what the lineup was with Odell and Jarvis being in the lineup. So you also have Bell and obviously Schwartz to have something to prove. And if we look at what took place during the course of the preseason, it was a mixed message in there. There wasn't a lot of consistency between the both of them. So they'll have their opportunities. But at the end of the day, we did not see Amari. And Amari, as we've seen from practice, and you and I had opportunity to see it up close and personally, mm-hmm. that he is a performer. He runs some of the best routes you'll see in the National Football League. So we're counting on him to be that 1,000-yard-plus wide receiver and to handle his own. But if you can get some contribution from Bell and from Schwartz and obviously have Diamond Peoples-Jones play like a true number one 
and not be a third, fourth guy in his production level, but surpass what he did last season or double that better yet, then we have something mixed in the mix. But obviously, I think more so than anything, Ken, it's going to be a situation where the running backs are going to set up our passing game and that guys, they're going to stack the box and try to stop Nick Chubb as well as Kareem Hunt. And with that in mind, you should win your one-on-one matchups, be you the one, the two, the three, or the four wide receiver. Well, for Amari Cooper, and I mentioned the Cowboys trying to move on from first, they, they'd love to have him, I bet, right now right. with all the injuries that they had. But it's so weird that the Cowboys decided to make that decision, Gerard. He is one, Amari Cooper is one of five wide receivers in the league. When you mention Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, that is elite company. One of those five to register at least 7,000 receiving yards and 45 receiving touchdowns already in his eighth year. He's got a lot to prove. Yes, he well, I would say he's consistent before having a lot to prove. And if anything, maybe the Cowboys think he has something to prove. But in his mind, he's like, I'm a pro's pro. And he goes out there with the mentality, I'm going to continue to consistently, consistently rather, do what I've always done. And what is that? I make plays. I, I had a little bit of a drop-off due to injury last year. But I'm still, if you look at my numbers, if it if it's – if you push it out to what it would look like had I participated in 17 games, I have similar numbers. So for me, for Cooper, it's just a matter of just being consistent in what you've always done. Don't ask me to do extra and too much that I'm not. Just be me, and he'll be A-OK. It's time for second down. Second down. Well, you know, the Browns struggle in openers. We've won one and tied one since 1999, even with it being a new year, Gerard. The weight, is it lingering on this football team? Because a lot of these guys, goodness gracious, I, I was in my freshman year of college the last time th- that we've won an opener. And if I'm looking at that, some of these guys were about mm, nine years old, exactly. eight years old. A couple of them were four years old when the last time the Browns won an opener. It would be nice to get the monkey off their back. It would be, but so much of this team's identity has changed due to personnel changes that it's not as severe and not as prevalent in the minds of the majority of the team. That's why I can honestly say I don't think it's that big of a deal to the guys there. In their mind, it's like, hey, we're the Cleveland Browns. It's a new season, a new year, a new team. Because whenever you have a quarterback shift and you take that guy off the roster, Ken, you have a new identity, especially on the offensive side. So I think even though you've had the Batonios, the Tellers around, and even the Hubbard and Conklin around, and Nick as well as Kareem, I don't think it's that mentality of, well, man, we always lose openers. I think the mentality is, here's another opportunity and chance. Who cares about last year? Because so much has changed in regard to the roster and what this team represents from a personnel standpoint. I, I think you're right about that. I think for fans, you know, a lot of us, we have a lifetime contract. Mm-hmm. So we, we have long memories. We remember that. Genevieve and Miles Garrett, those guys, they weren't here right. uh, way back then. So they're trying to just go 1-0, win this football game. Obviously, there's other conversations to be had, and we'll talk about those coming up in a bit, obviously. But it, you want to be able to go out, win this football game, get to 1-0, start to put some hay in the barn and get going in the 2022 season. I think that that's what everybody's focused on. But for us, yeah, it does become a different conversation because you and I have been around for a long time, and I've been watching the Browns all my life, and it, it has been just so often that the Browns have started 0-1, it'd be nice to get things going 1-0 and get going in the right direction. Yeah, it certainly would be, and you always want to win week one because so much emotion, so much preparation has gone into preparing for week one in the sense that why have you did installations for the past two weeks? That's for one opponent. And on top of that, during the course of training camp, you were still mixing some looks and some installation for the Carolina Panthers. So to have all that work and to come up short, that is a 
that hurts you. That is daunting. It is Just- frustrating, to say the least. Does it justify the work that's happened in the offseason? I know, hey, you got 16 games left to go, for goodness gracious sake. And the Browns were a playoff team after going 0-1 in 2020. But in that, in the immediacy of a week one win, does it kind of justify what you've been doing? It justifies your ability to get prepared for that first game and get the job done. Because one of the biggest fears that you'll have is, okay, did I give the guys enough from a physical standpoint to be ready for the game to sustain playing in two halves as opposed to just a series or two or a half in a preseason game? Did I put too much on their plate or too little on their plate from an adjustment standpoint and giving the defense and offense of the opposing team different looks? Those are the things that go through your mind. But ultimately, Ken, you you want to win week one just for momentum's sake, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we've seen on many of occasions where a team can start out 6-0, and 7-0, and they're not nowhere to be found come playoff time. You'd rather be that team that around week 7, 8, 9, and 10 – you know who you are, what your identity is, and you are winning football games on the regular, and you're playing clean, high-level, complimentary, if you will, football. And it's time for third down. Third down. First injury report of the season is out for Sunday. The players who were limited today, Jack Conklin with a knee injury, coming back from that knee injury, but he did participate. Grant Delpit with a hip. He was limited today. Greedy Williams with his hamstring. Chase Winovich with his hamstring. Michael Woods, the second, the wide receiver, the rookie, with his hamstring was limited. Jadavion Clowney was the only one who did not practice with an elbow, and he was sick today, so he was excused. Uh, Also full today, A.J. Green, Ronnie Harrison, Chris Hubbard, and Isaiah Thomas all were full participants in practice. For the Carolina Panthers, Eddie Pinheiro, the kicker with a hip injury, he was a full participant. And Giovanni Ricci, mm-hmm. the tight end, he with a hip injury was limited today. So a lot of names on that injury list, but a lot of full participants should be good to go on Sunday, should they not be? Well, they should be, but anytime you hear illness in this day and age with COVID and what that represents, you, you pause for concern because you never know. You never know. So I'll have to take that serious. And also, too, with Conklin, the fact that he's coming overcoming a knee injury, where he stands and is he ready to go? And with the hamstrings, you have to take that serious as, too, serious as well because it's an iffy injury. And you could do just a little minute thing and re-aggravate it and be in an issue where you can't go. So all those things I hear, I take serious because we saw what took place in the tr- tr- during the course rather mm-hmm. of preseason and what training camp looked like. And a lot of those guys were limited due to the injuries. Time for fourth down. Fourth down. Team captains announced by Coach Stefanski on Wednesday. Five season-long captains and a six on game day. From the offense, Joel Batonio, Nick Chubb. From the defense, Miles Garrett, Anthony Walker Jr. Special teams captain will be Charlie Hewlett. Uh, interesting that two guys who let their play do the, doing the talking instead of at the podium were named captains there, Gerard. I always wonder. So the, are these two guys, obviously one is Nick Chubb. Is the other Batonio? I, I would or say Charlie. yes. Because... I'm, I know Miles. Well, Charlie, so, I would say, yeah. Charlie, so who is the other two guys? I don't know what to figure out. But hey, well, I, I not don't to know. Throw the question maker on the bus, but I was like, who's the I, second guy? I I don't know if I know what Charlie Hewlett's voice sounds like. <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, well, with that in mind, though, yeah, you uh, yes, to answer the question, the way I believe what he's framing and asking is, I do believe that you can have guys who are quiet, who don't say anything, but are silent assassins, and they're they're. Their speech and their talk is representing how they play football. And with Nick Chubb, we saw it through the course of training camp. Always sprinting, always running hard, 
though he didn't play a down in the preseason games, you walked away from watching him and observing him in practice, thinking to yourself, this guy's ready to play today. That's the impression he gave in practice. And for the other guy who's that silent assassin, if you will, who doesn't <laughs> speak much but lets his pad work do the talking, it's the same thing. Guys know who out there is working hard. Guys know who also is out there representing and whose type of play and the career that they want to emulate and have. And when you have guys in a position to represent the team and you put them in a position of power and they don't abuse it, but they take pride in being a professional and doing things the right way, it can only help the squad because when they do have something to say, especially the silent guys, you're going to listen because they don't waste words. That is four downs. Fans, mark your calendars for face-off on the lake, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium on February 18th. The Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines right here at First Energy Stadium. Tickets are on sale now, starting at just $12. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or give us a call at 440-891-5050. Coming up in a bit, we'll tell you what's coming up on the Kevin Stefanski Show on Thursday night. The voice of your Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan, will join us. We'll go around the league. And coming up next, Browns All-Pro guard Joel Batonio sits down with me, and we preview not just Carolina on Sunday, but the entire 2022 campaign to come. It's finally week one. We're getting you set for football that counts on the Cleveland Browns preview show on the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Win, lose, or draw, if you don't play the standard, there's corrections to be made and there's things to be done that are going to benefit the team, and we're all trying to work to those goals. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry. Back at Bria, Ken Carmen alongside of Gerard Cherry, getting you set for the Browns and Carolina Panthers coming up on Sunday, week one of the 2022 campaign. And a man who joins us right now in his ninth year in the NFL and his ninth year with the Cleveland Browns, Joel Batonio joins us on the show. Joel, thanks for joining us. Yeah, anytime. I uh, always enjoy you know coming on this. And I think we have a, you know, a yearly thing now for probably nine years, so it, it works out well. Nine years in the NFL, now married and two kids. What's changed most for you other than your personal life, obviously, now as a father? Yeah, I, you realize how much time you wasted before you have kids, you know what I mean? Like, the kids are just constant. And then I'm like, what was I doing those first, like, four or five years when I didn't have any kids, you know, running around? Um, but for me, it's just, you know, I, I always look at it like, I, I guess I'm the old guy now. You know, you're 30 in the NFL. That's, like, kind of the the benchmark. I'm turning 31 kind of soon here, but we won't talk about that, you know? You're only 31 and you're the old guy. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a little different. You know, I know Joe was in year eight when he got in the league, and I'm – in year nine now, so it's like, wow, this is this is getting real. He was only there for two more years with you, wasn't he? Yeah, we played for four years oh, together. You know, he, eleven, but the eleventh year, you know, he was out for most of it and stuff like that. So, it, and I was hurt a little bit, so we didn't really get to play together as much as we could have. How you feeling? You look fantastic. Thank you. I feel good. You know, wearing black slims me out a little bit, but um, no, no, I feel good. Um, I had a good off season. I felt good. I felt healthy. Um, really ready to go. You know, I know it's a long season, but you prepare your body kind of year-round for, for the beating it takes in season, and hopefully you come into the season as healthy as possible. It's something you taught me earlier in your career, which I didn't know. You had the Liz Frank injury, and I didn't realize how serious that was when you first got that injury. Can you take us back to that memory? Yeah, it was in year three. Um, you were playing against the Patriots, and I remember my foot like popped right before halftime, and I was like, that didn't feel good, and I was kind of running off, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to like really push off of it, you know? And I ended up finishing the game, and we went up to dinner that night. And I remember getting up from the table at dinner, and I was like, 
I can't really walk to my car very successfully. I'm like, something might be seriously wrong with my foot. And so I uh, went back inside. They, they scanned it. And mine was bad, but it wasn't, like, the worst. Like, there was talks of, like, waiting 8 to 12 weeks and seeing how it was. Or we could do the surgery right away and get it over with. And we were, you know, 8 to 12 weeks taking us to the end of the season. So we, we ended up opting for the surgery. And it worked out really well. Um, I healed good from it. And, you know, since then I've, I've felt really healthy, and it's, it's been good for me. Because we, we were talking to a, um, a podiatrist, of all things. My co-host Anthony and I in the morning were talking to a podiatrist just out and about. And it was last year when Travis Etienne had the Liz Frank injury. And he's like, you guys don't realize how serious that is. And the first person I thought of was you. I was like, oh, my God. They are like, oh, yeah, he could lose his career over something like this. Yeah, and I think they've gotten better with the, with the surgery. And like I said, mine was kind of borderline if I needed surgery or not. Um, so it wasn't the worst. But, yeah, a lot of guys have had tough um, comebacks from that and might need a second surgery sometimes. They put the screws in, and sometimes you got to get them out. You know, I kept mine in, and so they, they've, been, uh, they've been good. Carolina on Sunday, you know i got to ask the question that everybody's got to ask you. Uh, How does it feel to go up against Baker? Yeah, for me, it's it's pretty normal, you know. I mean, I'm playing against their defense, so I don't get to face them too much. You know, I think Miles and J.D. and uh, Denzel, the defense, you know, get a, a few more uh, looks at him. But, you know, it's uh, he was here. He was part of it. But, honestly, there's a lot of guys over there from the Cleveland Browns, you know. I think Higgins still over there, Corbett, Cam Irving, you know, Blast Pass, Zane Gonzalez was their kicker. Chris Tabor's over there. Chris Tabor, you know, James Camp and their O-line coach. So there's a lot of crossover. It's a big revenge game in that sense. But, you know, we're taking it. We got to play the Carolina Panthers, and they were good defense, and it's it's something we got to you know go against and get get ready for. So for us on offense, we can't really think about you know big. We don't, we can't think about the quarterbacks we're we're playing against. How's the huddle with Jacoby Brissett? It's been good. It's been good. He has good command of it. You know, he's been around a lot of teams, so he has the experience. Um, and I think he'll be ready to go. You know, I think he's he's really focused and. Uh, you know, it's felt good these last couple of weeks. This last week, we had a nice ramp up period of going against our defense, but um, we felt real comfortable. How involved in the offensive scheming is Alex Van Pelt with Kevin Stefanski, your head coach? Yeah, it's huge. AVP is huge. He runs most of the offensive meetings, you know, and, uh, you know, Coach Callahan really takes us through the run game, um, and AVP kind of handles the pass game. Um, but AVP starts out the meetings with the offense most of the time, and then Kevin will chime in or, or call plays. But AVP is a huge part of our our game, and you know, with um, you know, Coach Drew being the quarterback coach now, he kind of has some reign to to work his way through different rooms. Does it make it easier three years in with the same offensive coordinator, same head coach? Oh, it's huge. It's it's great. You get a familiarity. You know what to expect. I think the expectations are set, um, and it's. It's one of those things where you feel more comfortable. You bring up a play that you haven't ran for a year even, but you have film of it. You have different things. You've seen schemes. You know, we haven't played Carolina yet, but um, it's something you have similar runs. I mean, there's just so much familiarity, and you know what it's going to be like when you get into the game situations. What Joel Batonio joining us on the show. What's week one like now where you really don't play in the preseason, and that's apparent across the league. So, you know, we look at it from 30,000 feet. We're like, oh, it's getting a little sloppy out there. What's week one like for you guys as opposed to as the rest of the season goes on? Yeah, you want to come out and not be sloppy, you know, but I think there's going to be times where, you know, stuff happens and you're like, dang, that's a week one thing. Um, we're always trying to go 1-0, and and that's like kind of the standard here. Um, so any way you can win this first game is, is kind of the goal, but it's such a long season. When you get to 17 games, and hopefully you're playing 20, 21 games in a season, um, 
you know, you have to protect the guys. And I think the sports science and everything said, like, hey, these preseason games don't matter. They matter, but they don't matter in the grand scheme of things. And so we got to get as, as ready for week one as possible. And um, we've done a good job conditioning and, and doing all those things. So I think all that's going to be there. It's just the game day, you know, the first game, the energy, all that stuff. You still get nervous, man. Nine years, however many games really? it's been. Oh, yeah, every game you get nervous. It's it's your livelihood. It's it's your passion. It's what, what you love to do, and you want to be good at it. Joel Batonio, still getting nervous before week one, nine years. And I, real quick, since you said you just want to go 1-0, and I'm not calling you out for us, but i got to say it in general. You've been an NFL player a long time. What's the most overrated cliche you guys use? What's the most underrated cliche you use? Um... That's a good one because I think every, right, it's a good one. every interview I do, I throw out probably 12 cliches at interview. You do. I think Coach Stefanski is a huge cliche guy. Um, he speaks in only cliches to the media. You, you know, I, <laughs> um, I think one of the big ones is like, it's not about them, it's about us. And sometimes it's about them. If they got some good players over there, you gotta, you gotta really focus on that. Like, yes, you have to execute. You have to execute, but you know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta make sure you know where, you know, an Aaron Donald's lining up out, out there. Yeah. Is there an overrated one? Overrated one? I mean, I honestly think 1-0 and is, like, a huge mindset. Like, if you look at the schedule and, like, all right, we can lose six games. Like, I don't know. It's just such a weird mindset. Like, I think going 1-0 and is, like, a pretty, like, standard thing. It's like, yeah, that's really the goal this week. You know, it's not really a cliche. What's the dumbest thing the media says about football? Not naming names. <laughs> that's another. Man, you're coming out with the great questions. Um, probably asking a left guard about playing against Baker Mayfield. You knew I had to ask you. You knew I had. To. I'm just kidding. Um, no, there's probably a lot of good ones. I can't. Uh, I, I can't. Nothing comes to mind exactly. But um, some of the questions were like, once you get on the field, like a lot of the accessory stuff doesn't really matter. You're playing the play, you know. And so some of the questions about who you, you know, the atmosphere or things like that. It's like we just got to go out there and play. You following along with Nevada anymore? Yeah, two and zero. I'm always really. Some guys kind of move on, you know, once they, but some guy like Joe is very into Wisconsin and other, like JOK is only a couple years in, but very into Notre Dame. So I don't know how some, some guys might be different. Yeah. I, I think I was very invested early when you know the players, you know, a lot better. Um, but I always pay attention. I always check the score. They're on late a lot of the times, but these first two weeks I've got to watch them. They're two and oh, you know, not the toughest schedule in the world to start. New Mexico State, we beat them in Texas State. Um, I can't even pronounce the team we're playing this week. It's an FCS team in, Something Word, like a Catholic school. Oh, Incarnate Word? Incarnate Word, thank yeah. you. We're playing them this week. So hopefully we can go 3-0, and and then we got Iowa. So um, it's tough. We lost a lot of transfers this year. We got a new head coach, Coach Wilson. Um, but I think we're in the right direction. It might be tough once we get into Mountain West play, but um, the guys are playing good. They plus nine turnovers. Was he? Was he? Well, I didn't realize you got well, when you're playing New Mexico State. Um, <laughs> well, that's another thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, we threw this question out there on the air in the morning. I wanted to run it by you. I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm watching New Mexico State, Nevada in the middle of the night. I have no money on the game. Is it pathetic? No, it's football. You put football on at any time of day, and it's uh, it's good to go. I was watching that game till 2 a.m. Uh, with Nevada. plus nine, really? That's still really good, even though you're playing New Mexico State. What was that coach? What's his name? Uh, coach Ken Wilson. That's it. Was he an assistant there when you were there? Yes. So okay. he was there with me. Um, I think my senior year when we got Coach Pullian, he left for Washington State. He was at Washington State in Oregon, um, and then he came back. But he was at Nevada for like 25 years yeah. before that. So, What does Reno, Nevada, and Cleveland, Ohio have in common? Um, honestly, they're both like 
like for Nevada, Reno's a pretty big city, but they kind of still have that like small town charm, you know what I mean? Where it's not too big and into it's, you know, the biggest little city in the world in Reno. Um, and a lot of good hidden gem food spots. I feel like, I feel like you can go to Reno and I uh, mean, it was my college palate, but I love the food there, but you know, I was a college kid just trying to gain weight. Yeah, there's a big difference between 21 and 30, about to be 31, but we're not going to age you there. All right, what do you say to the Browns fans as you embark on year nine for you and then, of course, for the rest of the team for 2022? Yeah, I think the team has worked, and uh, they're excited to get going here. I think we have really a special chemistry and a special group of guys. And, um, you know, it's not always going to be perfect, but I think I think the work's going to be out there, and I think uh, we'll be happy with the results. Joel Batonio giving us a drop for every show from here on out about the dumbest question the media asks him. Joel, we thank you very much for the time. Good luck. Yeah, thanks for having me. Joel Batonio joining us in the Player Spotlight. When we come back, we'll go around the league. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry. Fans, make sure to mark your calendars for face-off on the lake, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium on February 18th. The Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines right here at First Energy Stadium. Tickets are on sale now, starting at just $12. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050. Ken Carmen alongside of Gerard Cherry. Gerard, are we ready to go around the league? I think we are. And number one, should Lamar Jackson have bet on himself this season or accepted the Ravens' contract offer? According to Jackson, he's cutting off talks on Friday. Yeah, well, barring a season or career-ending injury during the course of this season, Ken, he's doing the right thing. Bet on yourself. You hold all the cards. What happened last year when he did not suit up in a Ravens uniform? They They lost every last game. Mm -hmm. If that's not bargaining power, what is? Obviously, I... The Ravens are playing hardball and saying, hey, man, we can't afford to pay you that. But at some point, they're going to have to pay the man or move forward. But how are you going to do that when you have truly designed your offense, even the backups around guys who have a similar skill set as he does, but you have the real deal, so why would you bank on a carbon copy? Yeah, they were really uh – I don't know. There's been a lot of questions about Lamar over the last year. I think some people have been kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's been a pro's pro for the most part. I know that there's been a couple of tweets liked in here and there, and I don't know if I would dig all that in this moment, but you know he wants to get his money. I support him in getting his money. Go ahead and get your money there. So maybe a deal will be done by Friday. We'll see. There's a couple of days left. Yes. And, and maybe just maybe what they are saying is the following. We think you're going to get hurt at some point the way you play quarterback. We appreciate your services, but we don't want to commit $250 million to you guaranteed because that's probably what he's asking for, yeah. and knowing that you're more than likely going to get hurt within the next two years. I mean, how many seasons was Michael Vick was a guy who, who really brought ushered in that style of quarterback, running, throwing everything? I mean, we can go all the way back to Randall Cunningham True. if we really want to, but in this era, I mean, Michael Vick was just Superman on the field. He ended up having, I, I know there were other things there, but he ended up having a pretty long career in his own right. Lamar Jackson's a bigger body. I, I know that he hurt his ankle. Every quarterback loses a year because of injury. Right. It happens. It just happens. Tom Brady lost a year because of injury. Every good quarter, you see it. It happens every year. Somebody's going to lose a year. Aaron Rodgers, didn't he lose two, if I'm not mistaken? So hmm. there's going to be injuries that happen. I, I, I don't think that everything's just going to be perfect for Lamar Jackson. I I get maybe that they're kind of... I think you'd always be nervous trying to pay a guy $250 million or whatever it may be. Now, he's he said that they didn't actually offer him that. But uh, 
if it were $250 million, I don't know. Great quarterbacks don't fall off a tree. No, so he's don't. a great quarterback. I, there's nothing much more that you can really do in this case, especially if he continues to play well. He could if they really wanted to. He could you go on the franchise tag, make a boatload of money every single year if he really wanted to over the next three seasons after this one, yeah. Well, the thing I find interesting is that I, if Burrow and if Allen asks for that, I don't think they're going to have any pushback from it. Oh, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Even though Burrow's been injured significantly. Right. And there was a time last year he got decked. I thought he was done for the mm-hmm. rest of the year right then and there. So I I don't know what their holdup is. I really don't. I I, I know we're on a Brown show. I, I really respect Lamar Jackson. He's pulled, rabbits. Though, dog. Yeah, he's, he's pulled rabbits out of his hat yeah. every single time against us. against us. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But I got to respect it. Uh, which, non, <laughs> which non-QB we have the biggest – uh, impact for their new team in 2022. Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, Von Miller, or Khalil Mack? I'm going with Khalil Mack because you, wow. you pair him with, with with the Bosa brother, and then you figure who's going to stop that. That's similar to what we have here in Cleveland with Clowney and, and Garrett. And you just think about it. What's the quickest way for the Chargers to escalate in the AFC, AFC West up the charts to be the number one team is who can get after the quarterback because in that division, that's the best quarterback play taking place when you consider who's all in that division, right? Who? I, I got to tell you, though, you're right about that, and he's good defensively. I I, I think Tyreek Hill could could save Tua in Miami. <laughs> what, what, I mean, they're putting the weight of the world on his shoulders. I'm sorry, Everybody. I can't do that, dog. One guy, granted, he's special. He, he truly is. But, gosh, there's so much that has to take place in order for I him know. to have success. Tua, though, he says is his most accurate quarterback he's ever thrown, has had thrown to him. I'm not buying that whatsoever, no. Ken, because that's just a straight-out disrespect to Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> then a blocking situation, what that entails. Are we just going to simply double-team Hill and take him out of the game and force Tua to go to other guys? All those things can happen. But when you have pass rush and you got two guys and you bring another guy to caliber, Khalil Mack, along with Nick Bosa, I mean, excuse me, Joey, yeah. good luck. Good luck with that. Your thoughts on Joe Flacco now set to start the first four game of the Jets season. He'll face the Browns next week in Cleveland's home opener. Zach Wilson not ready to return just yet. In my mind, it's an upgrade, actually. Joe's a better quarterback wow. still at this stage. As, I, mean, wow. this is, I mean, Wilson's in his second year. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that to be just to cause a, a fire or anything like that or say something what could be regarded as a hot take. I'm not saying that at all. I'm it's saying okay. in the sense that he has more experience. He still can throw the football with high velocity, and he's a better quarterback surely based upon experience. So for me, that's just the truth of the matter. And to be honest with you, the backup of, of good Lord, Zach Wilson was better than me, and his name escapes me right now as far as who was a better quarterback last year. Oh, goodness gracious. I can't remember his name. But he, he was, was good for a too. moment. They trying to celebrate him as being I'm having guy. a total brain freeze, I and I well. can't remember they they had Strevler in there for a minute, and then they let him go during this preseason. Boy, I forget who that was too, and he was pretty good for them. You're right about that. Um, I don't. I'm trying to. I think I'm making because I was so down on Zach Wilson last mm-hmm. year. I'm like, there's no way it could be like this again. They've really addressed in free agency. They've really addressed in the draft, but those are all pups too. Right. So I. Uh, Joe Flacco's past his prime. I don't want to go crazy 
but he may be ready to conduct the offense a little bit better than Zach Wilson. So I just hated the reasons they were drafting Zach Wilson to begin with, Gerard. I, I, I know that that's next week's opponent, and I've talked to you about that. It's, well, he's good in chaos. He's good in chaos. Are we so focused on steering into chaos we're going to steer off the cliff? Is that how this is going to go? Didn't care for it. But that's next week's opponent. This week's opponent is the Carolina Panthers. And to talk about it, we'll welcome on the voice here, Cleveland Browns. Coming up next, it's the Cleveland Browns preview show on the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Greg Newsom II. This is Wyatt Teller, and you are listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider for the Cleveland Browns. Browns taking on the Panthers coming up Sunday afternoon, 1 p.m. The man on the call for the game, the voice here, Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan, joins us right now to get you set for this game between Carolina and your Cleveland Browns. Jim, thanks for joining us tonight. Good to be with you guys. Count it down to Sunday. Boy, it's, it's like it's been forever, Jim. I, other than Baker Mayfield and the T-shirts and everything else that's going on, what's the thing that you're paying attention to the most as we get set for this one? You know, I think Ken, Christian McCaffrey uh, really is a, is a key part of the game uh, and certainly a key part of the offense for them. Uh, when he plays, they're very effective and they win. When he doesn't play and he hasn't played much in the last two years, they struggle, and thus you have a couple of seasons where they have had five wins two years in a row. Um, he's such a dynamic player, uh, out of the backfield, running the football, in the slot as a receiver. He can really make you miss a great deal out in open field. And I think he is a very, very big responsibility for the Browns' defense. So I know that the headline would be Mayfield and how he reacts to playing against his former team. But I have to tell you, the football side of it to me is Christian McCaffrey. How will the Browns be able to control him? And, Jim, with that in mind about Christian, what he represents from a matchup standpoint, who do you see guarding him? Because I know we put a lot into the idea of having a fast defense, and I like the matchup between he and JOK because I think he's a guy who we drafted for situations just like this. What do you think? Yeah, I think that would be the guy, uh, Gerard. That would be the guy that I would select. Um I think he he plays at such a high speed, and that's the thing that impresses me so much about McCaffrey. He can run away from you very quick. He can make really dynamic cuts in the open field and slip by you. So I think you have to have a guy that possesses speed that gets on him right away. And I think that JOK plays at that high octane of a speed linebacker. And I think that's the, you know, as you said, that's the design of the Browns' defense, in particular in that linebacker position. Um, you could think of a safety, um, and that could be, a, you know, certainly an assignment for the, uh, for the safety room coming down and helping out with him. But I would say the most available guy, and the guy that I think when you look at why they drafted a guy like JOK to play against Lamar Jackson, to be able to control him, chase him down, and certainly to go up against a player like Christian McCaffrey. I think that would be the guy that would have a great deal of um, the you know responsibility to cover him and to make sure that he doesn't beat you. Jim Donovan joining us here on the show. Uh, Jim, for the Browns wide receiver court, you know, I, I didn't even realize until this afternoon the guy with the leading yards or, uh, catching and the the amount of catching receiving yards the most coming back is is Donovan Peoples Jones. Now you have Amari Cooper who's coming back where. The Cowboys jettisoned him. He has a lot to prove coming into this season. But there's really not a whole lot of 
chemistry between these, this quarterback and Jacoby Brissett and these wide receivers. Does this make a, a chance to really rely on the running game much more than what they have previously? Oh, I think so, Ken. I think that is the Browns' offense. I think the Browns' offense is going to be heavy run, and um, it should be. I mean, that's the strength of the offense, the way it is uh, put together right now. And and even if Deshaun Watson was in a quarterback still, the calling card for the Browns will be that running game with matched up and, and teamed up with that Browns' offensive line. Um, will Are they going to shy away from, you know, the wide receivers? No, I don't think so. But as far as, like, hitting home run balls, you know, deep strikes, I don't know if that's going to be there, certainly at the beginning of the year. Cooper will have a great deal of of interest on any team going against the Browns defensively. They'll have to pay him a great deal of attention. And maybe they can do that with the inexperience surrounding the rest of the Browns receiving core. But I think uh, the bread and butter will be the Browns running game to get them into really good down and distance situations. Um, you don't want to be a, have to play from behind the sticks and, and rely on this passing game. And as you mentioned, the kind of growing and needs to grow chemistry between the quarterback and this receiver group, which is really young. I mean, Donovan Peoples Jones is by no means a vested veteran right now in the passing game. And the same, certainly David Bell's a true rookie. Anthony Schwartz is certainly a project. Um, and you could also see the Browns rely on those tight ends a great deal with Brian and Njoku. And Jim, for Jacoby Brissett, in your mind, what does a good game in a day look like for him? Well, I would think uh, Gerard turnover-free, as it would be for any quarterback. Um, but I, I think, you know, to not turn the ball over, uh, to just really tactically get the ball out of there as quickly as he can, but get it to the right people. Um, I don't think he has to play hero ball. He's got enough of a good staple of, of offensive, you know, good things going in that offense with that running game, uh, with a player like Kareem Hunt in the passing game, added to the passing game, coming out of uh, out of the backfield. I think Njoku becomes a very key part of the Browns' offense. He's certainly being paid to be that kind of a player. So I think there's enough there that if he just makes the right decisions, good decisions, you know, plays a clean game as far as being turnover-free in the football game, I think that's what they're looking for from him. Um, certainly capable of, because of his experience, of pulling a game out. But I think if you went in and you had a master blueprint of what you wanted to do Sunday, you want him to be a distributor of the football to the right people at the right time. And I think then they come out, they would be okay, and they'd be pleased with him. And, Jim, I've been asked this question a few times, so I'm going to pose it to you. Who do you think has the advantage, the Browns in regards to knowing what Baker Mayfield can and cannot do or Baker Mayfield having some familiarity with the Browns' defense having practice against them for course of four years or four seasons yeah every day um i would say i like the browns defense i really do i love the way they played at the end of the year last year i think it's only going to get better i think that they've tweaked it they didn't have to overhaul it there were a lot of good things coming out of that defense as they grew into the defense and got to know each other so i think not only against baker mayfield but against a lot of quarterbacks that will face the browns this year i think the browns defense is is going to be very formidable and very tough to move the football against. So I think that the Browns' defense has an advantage. They know everything about Baker Mayfield. What do they want to do with him? It will be interesting, Gerard, to see. I would think, you know, just on the outside kind of looking in, they would like to keep him in the pocket, take away the bootleg game from him. He 
He was very comfortable doing that. I think that's when he was most effective here in Cleveland. Um, and it will be interesting to see if they can do that, if Clowney and, and Miles Garrett can pin him in, keep him in the pocket, crowd him a great deal. And, and then I think that's the start of a good defensive day for the Browns. Jim, can't thank you enough for the time. We'll talk to you on Sunday morning as we get set for the Panthers game. All right, guys, can't wait. Thank you very much. The voice of your Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan. One-third of the great triumvirate that you'll hear at 1 p.m. on Sunday with himself, Jim Donovan, Nathan Zagura, and our very own Gerard Cherry doing the sideline reporting for the Browns and Panthers from Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. When we come back, we'll preview what's to come on the Kevin Stefanski Show and what we intend on seeing on Sunday as the Browns go for a win in week one of the 2022 campaign. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Win, lose, or draw, if you don't play the standard, there's corrections to be made and there's things to be done that are going to benefit the team, and we're all trying to work to those goals. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry. Thursday night, it's live. The Kevin Stefanski Show, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. They'll be joined by the coach here, Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski, and Browns defensive back Greg Newsom II will join the show. Then Sunday, it all starts 9 a.m., Browns game day, Gerard Cherry and myself, 11 a.m., the Cleveland Browns kickoff show with Andy Baskin, Tyvis Ballin. I'll stick around for a while. And then 1 p.m., kickoff with Jim, Nathan, and Gerard from Bank of America Stadium in downtown Charlotte. A little bit of a note here. Gerard, have you ever – you definitely played at Bank of America Stadium, correct? Yes, I have. Several What's times. it like? Can I admit something to you? What's that? I'm uncomfortable with the stadium. Why? I don't – I feel claustrophobic. I've actually been there, not even for a game. And I feel claustrophobic in stadiums that I can't see anything – around like it's all sky there's right. nothing mm-hmm. around like Nayland Stadium I haven't been to but I'm like boy if I was if I was an opposing team here it, it'd be a little weird to look up in the sky and just see people and <laughs> right. then that's it that's all like, you see that's true exactly when you like when you go to first sentence it's like okay I can see a little bit of the lake well you can't see the lake from the field right, but I see, see a, a little bit of mm-hmm. the opening and skyline and things like that but Boy, at Bank of America Stadium, you're just surrounded by that, people. Dog. You're absolutely right, too. It's nothing but stands. That's all you see in lights. Uh, if, if it were a dome or a retractable roof or something, I think I could understand it. But it's just like, wow, I just there's nowhere to hide here. Well, I tell you, it's a, it's a, tra- it's a you. fast-track football field, and yeah. I'm hearing there's going to be a lot of rain, potentially. So Yeah, it's supposed to be a little bit rainy and balmy down there. The, the, the humidity will be very high. Right, so. and that... And that's something, obviously, we've dealt with through the course of the summer, so that won't be too foreign of an object for our football team to deal with. And it won't be like it's New Orleans or Miami type of humidity, which can be intolerable. Make sure you bring your in a perspirant. No doubt it'll about it. Make sure you're It'll be a little, bit of, a, sure a little bit of a warm one. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Gerard, uh, real quick, what are your final thoughts, and what do you expect to see if the Browns want to get a win on Sunday afternoon? I just expect to see clean football first and foremost where we're not beating ourselves and we are methodical in how we approach it. We drive down the football field creating down the distance since when which we're third and short as opposed to being third and long and really asking Jacoby to do a fantastic job of taking what the defense gives him. And on the defensive side, I expect to see us get after Baker Mayfield like we've never gotten after a quarterback before. And if you get those things along with the special teams flipping the field and doing their job from a scoring standpoint, that's how you win this game. 
Complimentary football and winning on first down. You're going to hear a lot of it throughout this season. It all starts again with the Kevin Stefanski Show Thursday night. That's our next step in the process to get you ready for the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. Nathan Zagura, Gerard Sherry, coach, and defensive back Greg Newsom the second. And then Sunday morning, 9 a.m., don't miss it. Browns game day, myself and Gerard Cherry. 11 a.m., the Cleveland Browns kickoff show. Andy Basket, Tyvis Powell, I'll stick around for another hour. And then 1 p.m., kickoff with Jim Nathan and Gerard from Bank of America Stadium and Charlotte, North Carolina. Your Browns kicking off the 2022 campaign against the Carolina Panthers. A thanks, as always, to everybody for listening and our support staff. Fantastic, as always, executive producer Jason Gibbs, technical producer Meredith Kane, and associate producer Connor Lawrence. For Gerard Cherry, I'm Ken Carmen. Thank you for listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. Join us next week for more behind-the-scenes Browns news from Berea. We always look at each game as how do we win this game and what does this game call for. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts of the game without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. 